It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into another episode of Hockey Royalty Live, the official podcast of HockeyRoyalty.com, where you're going to get all your ferocious Kings news. We're going to be talking the week one recap, the emergence of Velarde, the bet stamp player of the week, and making it rain segment right at the end. So like, subscribe, get in the chat. Let's go. So before we get talking here, I got my esteemed co-host, their uh, co-host here, Russell and Joe Paterino. Start with Russ, man. Uh, took a take a week off, you know, part timer over here, but coming back strong. Uh, how you been, man? Doing good. Still kind of recovering from a uh, Dodger uh, playoff woes, but I'm hanging in there. Kings are uh, making me feel a little bit better, so that helps. And Joe, how you been doing, man? Uh was better about 15 minutes ago when the Yankees game was still 1-1. Um, so ask me again in 10 minutes, I guess. Yeah, Joe's still, <laughs> Joe's still enjoying those MLB playoffs with his Yankee fans. Yeah. So. <laughs> so, yeah, I've been uh, I've been doing good. Just came back from Atlanta, went and saw my Niners play and, and get trounced by the Falcons. So that wasn't great. But uh, the stadium cool. was fantastic. Uh, and who thought you could still get beer for 6 bucks at a stadium? Like the cheapest. Really? The cheapest, like the food, beer, whatever that I've ever seen at any stadium ever. That stadium's pretty new, right? That's like two, three yeah, years I old. Think so. And it was cool. The roof, they had the roof closed, and then by the like when I got there, and then within ten minutes, the roof opens up, like, kind of like almost like a flower. Like it was, it's pretty yeah. sweet. But yeah, cool. I got oh, I got a the first. I got there, and I was like, okay, can I get a craft beer, a local craft beer, IPA, and a water? Because my friend doesn't drink, and they were like eleven fifty. I was like, oh, uh, what? Oh. <laughs> For just I'm one or for both? I was like, holy crap. <laughs> I think so, you're getting one Dodger dog with that out here. Yeah, so <laughs> it was it was, pre- it was pretty nuts. But, uh, yeah, I had a good time. Came back in and, uh, you know, just got no sleep yesterday. Got a power nap and watched a little bit of the game. And here we are. So let's get things started here at the bottom, or starting with injuries. Uh, came fast and furious. Uh, we've been pretty pretty reluctant. I mean, obviously, Arvidsson missed one game with an illness, so we don't really count that, but... The two players out right now, 
Uh, the big one, Ajax Ayafalo going on IR, so he'll miss at least three games uh, there uh, with a, I believe it's a lower body injury. And then Edler takes a puck uh, to the dome, right? And mm-hmm. uh, he's day to day, right? So those are the two big injuries. Uh, what did you guys see from? Obviously, we saw the replay for Edler, so you know, hopefully, he gets back soon. But what did you guys see on the Ayafalo injury? What do you guys? The Ayafalo injury was kind of strange. I, we, it didn't. We, I don't think we got an actual actual footage of it. The, the TV camera kind of cut away just as he was making the hit, but looked like he was just skating into the corner, just trying to finish a check. And um, the next, then the next time we see him, he's kind of gingerly just not being able to put any weight on his left leg and just coasting off toward the bench and straight down the hallway. So um, it's been it's been uh, determined it's it's a week to week injury from what I what I hear. Uh, so. The seven days I think he had from IR would put him till next Tuesday. Um, next Tuesday's game, I think it would be a lot, a little bit longer than that. So it's, it's it's a tough loss for a line that looks really good or looked really good for the first couple games of the season. Yeah, the line yeah. really good, and and I follow like I think I made the point on I said it on Twitter, and actually somebody corrected me saying no, I think we recognize like it seemed like he was kind of under the radar with someone else going so much going well with like a guy like Velarde for example, and Clark's you know debut and all that that I follow's good start has kind of flown a little bit under the radar, but um, you know it's it's tough to see him hurt. He obviously he dealt with injuries a lot last year, so you hope he gets uh, you hope he gets healthy and. I'm imagining Edler's not going to be a long-term thing. I don't know if he'll be drawn back in uh, tomorrow, but um, I guess we'll see in Pittsburgh. Yeah, the only other big injury that I've seen, and normally we do around the Pacific, but uh, Gabriel Landeskog out 12 weeks. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's a big loss for Colorado. Um, He'll be back in time for playoffs because, you know, they'll be there. But uh, big loss early on. You know, we'll see if they can hold him off. You know, captain, uh, one of their top scorers. So we'll see. He's out 12 weeks minimum. So... We'll see how that works out. Uh, got a lot of regulars in the chat. Carter Scores coming in here. Uh, good to see the trio back. He's been going crazy with the tweets over the last week. A little maniac. Uh, hope hope you're still breathing, man, because uh, got a lot of stuff going on there. Mike from Earth, what's up, gents? Thank you for coming in. And you got Richard. Uh, go Kings go. Hope AI is back sooner or later. We agree there. So let's get into it, guys. Uh, week one recap. Last week we talked about Vegas. Uh, you know, we'll kind of just excuse the the homestand because Seattle was was pretty <laughs> garbage. But you, I, you know, I was talking about it with my brother on the way to the airport, and I was like, we have to g- at least get seven points on this road trip. Come, you know, when they come back, be at least f- uh, five hundred to make me feel good about things. And it's been a rocky ride, but a, a fun one with a lot of late wins, a lot of back and forth. <clears throat> so let's just get into it here. Kind of just an overall theme. I'll do some of the scores in case people didn't really have a chance to look at it. So 7-6 against the Wild, 5-4 against the Red Wings, 4-3 against Nashville. So three, you know, all they look close games. They were close games, but just, you know, overtime, shootout, just a lot of drama, a lot of back and forth. What did you, what did you guys see from week one? I'm going to start with Russell here. Like, what, what, what were some of the identifying factors in these three games? Each one's been crazy at one after another it's it's been a wild ride it's hard to it's hard to really identify uh what's good about the kings right now they're just kind of a scrappy team that has a couple players playing really well and now that we're seeing uh the last few games we're seeing lines uh the second line start to contribute in detroit uh with the and more potting uh two goals 
and then the first line and the third line have just been humming along. So, but each each game's just been weird. I mean, the Minnesota Wild game, obviously seven six, uh, it's like a football score, and there was no goaltending and no defense being played. And but it was just good to see the Kings get a, get the victory in that. Uh, then the D- Detroit game where they actually played pretty well, I thought, and then Victor Arvidsson just has that gaff that goes full Patrick Stefan. As soon as it happened, I was like, oh, they're going to come back and tie it. This this is th- th- weird stuff always happens in Detroit. I don't know if you guys remember the the time when the net the puck went out of play, yeah, comes out of the net goes back into play. Yeah, there's weird stuff that always happens in Detroit, and uh, sure enough, that happened. But luckily. They came back and got the the win OT, and then last night's game was just a great come up, come from behind effort, down by two, by none other than Matt Roy scoring two goals. It's just been a one weird game after another, but it's been a fun uh, fun ride, that's for sure. We said we need an offense, right? <laughs> we're, getting, <laughs> we're getting offense. Uh, we're not getting any defense. The, the identity of the team seemed to have seemed to flip over. You know, like I said, football score. Uh, a Thursday night football score based on what we've been seeing on Thursday <laughs> nights for the NFL, but a football score nonetheless in the first game. And I was just like, man, I was sitting there in, in Atlanta watching this thing. It was just back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And I think that's like the last time we've won a game seven, six was like what, like 2003. I think they said it on the telecast like a long time ago. Um, so, you know, it just crazy. Like you would never believe that. Hey, if I would have told you, Hey, the other team scoring six goals is that do the Kings have a chance? I would tell you, heck no. Right, because like this is not a Kings team. The way, especially the offense was moving in the first two games, you know, would this have happened? And it just, just lit an ignition. You saw in the in the um, wild game, you saw elation from Fiala, right? Just breaking that seal, mm-hmm. getting going, and I think that's what he really needed, you know, because people were torturing him online, you know. And then just after that game, he's still back to a point per game, right? So, uh, you know, after that third game. So, Joe, what did you see? What were maybe some of the main identifiers in in those three games there? Uh, I think what we're seeing, because it is a little uncharacteristic, right? The Kings, especially under Todd McClellan, have been very structured, right? Very, you know, the way they've they've controlled the games for the most part historically under McClellan, possession-wise, they're very, they can be a little, some may say boring at times, but there's a structure to their game that what I think we're seeing, honestly, like it's, you have, you know, Kevin Fiala, uh, Byfield is now getting, Everyday, everyday reps. Uh, Gabe Velarde is now a regular in the lineup. You know, Sean Walker's playing after missing as much as he did last year. Drew Doughty missed a ton of time. He's back. Brant Clark is making his debut. We're seeing Sean Dersey go through some growing pains. There's a lot of factors here that are playing in, so it's tough to be this this stalwart, structured team when there's a there's what did they do? I just rattled off five, six, seven guys that either were not regulars in the lineup, are new to the team. Or are young players that are that are gaining experience on the fly. So it is going to be a little helter skelter when you have this much going on. And you wonder, maybe, maybe we took a little bit of that for granted, you know, just thinking in the way under McClellan, how structured they've been, that it would just carry over. And it's not yeah. necessarily the case, but there's a lot of factors here that I think you're playing in that is going to take a little bit of time to get itself sorted. So I think uncharacteristic, but you know, good on the Kings. What what is good is what we're seeing what was a characteristic of last year of they, these guys just, there's no quit in this, in, in, in the roster and you're battling back just like they did last year. So that's encouraging to see. Yeah. I think, I think it's something to look at and, and I know it's a little too soon to kind of look back completely on the season <laughs> with the, uh, the, you know, the five questions that we have coming in, but 
you know, early returns on those answers. I mean, what have you guys seen from the top line? I know we scram they scrambled a little bit when there was nothing going on in Seattle, but put it back together. And that what have we seen from the first line? I mean, all three of them are on the top of the scoreboard. I they've got 17 points combined. I mean, I know some of that maybe not exactly together as a line, but I I honestly I like it. I think they I think they're fitting well together. I think they're playing well. They're dangerous on the rush. Um, you see how what Fiala brings to the you know and, and skating through the neutral zone and how good he is. Adrian Kempe is just following up last season. He's playing really well. Um, I like it. I think it's a good trio. Um, I did find something interesting, and I can't remember if it was the Minnesota game or if it was the Nashville game, um, because Fiala played for both of those teams, and the color commentator. Uh, for, again, I cannot remember which game now, said that he didn't think it would be a fit of uh, somebody like Fiala with Kempe, and he said, we'll see how that plays off, which is interesting. This is These are guys that have seen Fiala play for an extensive amount of time. So um, I like it, though. I think so far so good, in my opinion. Yeah, I think I think that first line finally got their chemistry going in, <coughs> excuse me, in Minnesota. Um we see Kevin Fiala turn into a, a better playmaker than we thought. Uh, we knew that individual skill was there, but I think they're looking good so far. Um, the first first goal, a pass across the ice looked really good, and then we saw that same thing happen last night's game in, in Nashville. So hope it continues because it's it's paying dividends right now. Yeah, Mike from Earth is coming here saying, super glad Kempe's playing well. Far too many haters last year. This guy was not one of them. Called called the breakout there. I'm glad he's he just rifling shots. Like and it doesn't seem like anything he shoots doesn't go in the net. I mean he's just looking really good. Uh, what do you guys think about this? Carter scores brings this up. I'm concerned about Fiala's offensive zone penalties. They always seem to come at a bad time. Uh, but uh, he's been everything we've asked for offensively. Is this just small sample size to where you think it'll level out over the year? Or is it just because they've been at really bad times in the game? Joe, what what do you kind of think about when uh, you hear Carter say that? I get the frustration, and as somebody that is a coach, uh, that drives you up a freaking wall when you're taking a penalty on a power play. You can clearly see these penalties are out of frustration, right? He needs to rein that in. That said, like part of what makes a player like Kevin Fiala is that edge to his game. So you 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 want to be careful about how you go about kind of you you want it to be smart you want him to play on the edge that's the way he gets that gets his juices flowing that's what makes him a good player but yeah you have to be smart when you're when you're doing these things there was a situation in one of the games where he had a really nice zone entry on the power play but inadvertently lost the puck took a bad penalty uh the game now again I'm they're all jumbling together he took a bad bad penalty behind the play uh, a roughing penalty, just totally unnecessary. The puck was nowhere around. I mean, so th th it can't happen. Um, I'm sure, A, he knows that and that Todd McClellan has had a conversation with him. Um, but I don't think right now anything is actionable because uh, I think it's still early. And over the course of a season, maybe this stuff happens a few times a year. Maybe they're just happening right now. Um, you hope he reins it in and just kind of settles it, though. Yeah, you're looking at a couple of interviews that he uh, about him when we acquired him. Both of the interviews that I heard that that's part of his game. Like he's just gonna he's he mm -hmm. he's a very emotional player. Uh, when he's on the ice, he wants to shoot, he wants to score, he wants to be the person driving the play at all times. And sometimes it doesn't go right, and it, he shows his emotions on his sleeve, as people say. 
and that can lead to dumb penalties. And it's just you're got to take the good with the bad, and he's going to rein it in as much as he can. But if you tell a player not to be himself, then he's not. You're not going to get the good as well. Fine so yeah. yeah, so it's going to be a little bit something there. I mean, I'm sure it's a just people are a little bit frustrated with how the first two games went. Some of those penalties were on those games. So you know the losses, you know, really heighten those types of things. Win wins cure everything, right? As, as they say. So we'll see if it evens out and, and goes forward. One of the other questions was elevation of play by younger players. And we've certainly seen that from the vibe line, as people are calling it. <laughs> that line has just been spectacular. And I really, really love the fit. You know, we're seeing a uh, uh, pure score right now and, and Velarde, even though I wouldn't say he's a, uh, a sniper, he's just, facil- he's just facilitating offense. Byfield and I follow really good play, leading the team in Corsi and everything like this. You know, Russell. What what is making that line so good? What is that? What is that? What, how are they vibing? As they say, <laughs> I think each player is bringing its own special, I guess, skill to, to the line, really, and th- that's why it sucks so much that Alex I follow goes down at, at, at this time because I mean he brings that four checking kind of go ahead and dig those loose pucks and, and get him to you know, Quentin Byfield and and Byfield and Velarde have kind of just been able to feed off each other with Byfield playing the facilitator with Velarde. Uh, but all three players have played really well. I, I think we, we talk a lot about Gabe Velarde, and we'll talk a lot about him um, in a bit here, but Quinn Byfield's also played pretty well too. And I know he has, his minutes haven't been as high as many would probably want him to be in terms of playing. He's not playing on the power play. He's not playing on the penalty kill. And we've seen kind of how these games have gone. It's been a special teams pretty much half the game, if not more. So his minutes, Byfield's minutes are, are – a little bit less than you would see from um, I follow or even Velarde who plays power play minutes. But I mean, at five on five, he's looked really good and he's contributed um, to directly to some of the goals that Velarde scored. So yeah, that vibe, that line is, is vibing right now. And it's, it's unfortunate that I follow has to go down because I know they tried to put grunts from there last night. It didn't really work. Uh, we saw Kaliev get elevated there. I don't really know if Kaliev will work on that line. You want to kind of find somebody that's going to be that eye follow type player to help out Pilardi and Byfield. So I'd like to you see. Think that, do you Dolan. think that's Jad? Yeah, that's what. Yeah, I think I'd like to see Anderson Dolan get a get a shot there. He hasn't gotten a, a look at, at a game yet this season, and he brings that kind of mentality, that kind of uh, that play, that eagerness to go for check deep in the corners and, and, and get loose pucks. So I, I think there'd be a good spot for him there uh, in eye follow's absence. Mike coming in here, vibe line has been so awesome. We definitely agree with that. Carter's like, Carter score says, my Velarde jersey has finally stopped collecting dust. Wearing that bad boy with pride. Uh, Joe, you know, the vibe line obviously has has those pieces. Russell says he wants to see Jad elevated and and, and find that I'll follow type piece. Do you agree with him in that? Do you think he's probably the best fit for that? Or has Grunstrom's playoff experience still kind of given him that leash to try to try to fit within that line? So I wouldn't be surprised for it to be Grunstrom again because of that, because they, they didn't have a lot of time together to really see if it worked. Did they? I don't even think they even played five minutes together, five on five, because it just it was a penalty-filled game. So I still think it'll be a work in progress. That said, I mean, I think it was noteworthy. Obviously, the Kings were trailing, right, going into the third. So they were trying to, you know, McClellan's trying to spark something, so he puts Kaliev up there. Um, and while it wasn't a five-on-five goal, you know, Byfield and Kaliev, um, I believe Kaliev is one of the ones on the ice. Um, 
that clicked on the one of Roy's goals at four and four, um, which was a really heads up play by really decision, I should say, by McClellan. It's an icing call by Nashville. He recognizes there's tired guys on the ice. He's got a fresh byfield who has played great at five on five. He puts him out there at the four on four situation. He's instrumental uh, in getting in, in setting up that play, puts out some skilled players and, and the puck goes in the net. So I've really liked what Byfield's done. I, I totally agree with Jod, by the way. I'm a big fan of his. I think we've talked about how he's a guy that can play up and down a lineup. I don't know, though, if he'll get the nod because I don't know unless they they decided, you know, because Brendan Lemieux, I, I guess you could say he's playing his role, but he's certainly he's mixing it up. And I don't know. I, I don't know if they're going to take that out of the lineup. So if they and I don't think they're going to take Grunstrom out at this point. So I, I kind of think it's going to be Grunstrom, but I, I go back and forth between Grunstrom and Kaliev as a fan like. The idea of Byfield Calio Velarde sounds like a whole lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Hey, just throw a torpedo and see if it hits, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, this um, is where this is this is where I wish Alex Turcott was healthy because that would be such a perfect spot for him to play agreed. with Byfield and Velarde. I mean, I mean, we're talking about Anderson Dolan and I Paul. That's what Turcott is. He's a two-way player that plays that two hundred foot game. I mean, that would have been such a good spot for him. It's but it's good to see that he's. He's skating with the team. Yeah, I know we didn't. We're hit skating him in the with the section, but yeah. yeah, I don't know. We didn't hit him in the uh, the injury section, but he's you know been cleared to practice with the team. So hopefully we see him too uh, soon uh, when it comes down there. So yeah, I agree with I, I agree with Jad. I think it's that's where it should be. Um, I wouldn't mind you know Grunstrom and uh, you know uh, Lemieux switching to the bottom. I've I've been impressed with Lemieux, but not really that much to enough to not take him out or rotate or mm-hmm. give Jad a look. You know, and, and you also don't want players getting too much cobwebs, right? I mean, what is what is really Jad going to do there at, uh, in the third line? You play him one game. If it works, it's great. If not, it doesn't. You can always go back to Grunstrom. But, you know, players collecting too much dust on, on the bench doesn't really afford you a chance to see if maybe something else sparks up. Because what if this what if this injury for, for AI is going to be two weeks, three weeks? I mean, you're talking about, you know, what, six games, seven games? If you can get a line to spark, you need that line to spark. If Jad does it, then he can play, right? He can play for the for that for that time until you, Apollo comes. You back. know, you know, I'll, I'll say one thing in 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 a shout for Kaliev here because like Quentin Byfield has been a force behind the net, creating turnovers, winning puck battles. Like, I think there's a good enough. I think there's there could be some pretty good chemistry there, even with. Uh, with Kaliev. And again, remember, Kaliev sort of played that role-ish in the fourth line role last year. I think he's done it. We saw Velarde's been way more involved physically. Uh, he's way more engaged. So I actually think that as much skill as there is on the line, I think there is a little bit of that uh, sandpaper, I guess if you could say, that these guys are three hungry players willing to get involved. So I, I do think it could work with with Caliab. I don't think this would be a situation where you have three, you know, all skill guys and no one's willing to go and get dirty. These guys are willing mm-hmm. to get dirty. So I think it could I think it would, I think it would be good offensively. I'd just be worried with Caliab there on the defensive side. Because with I follow that was I mean he's the anchor mm-hmm. on defense on that sure. line. So Anderson Dolan, I guess, has got a little bit more of defensive antsy antics in him. Uh <clears throat> Kaliev maybe maybe not so much. Just still a little bit more developing there defensively. Although he's 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 looked pretty good analytically in terms of shot suppre- suppression. 
but that's also playing alongside like Lozat and Lemieux. So mm-hmm. I, that trio's look look pretty good. I, I don't see a reason why you should break them up. I mean, Lemieux had that one uh, play setting up Matt Royce getting up ice pretty well last night. So yeah. and he also brings a little bit of Lemieux-ness to the to the game, I guess. So so there's that. But it, it's it's just a tough loss to lose Ifall because he's playing his best hockey that we saw. That same Ifall that we saw a little bit last year before whatever happened to him. I don't know if his shoulder or whatever. And then he kind of fell fell apart toward the end, uh, but it, it's good. It was good to see him playing really well. And then it sucks to see that he's uh, he's injured again. Let's get into a question here from Richard, which is another thing we should talk about. Are you guys happier with Cal's play last game? I can see uh, him getting better as the season progresses. Goalies were the biggest thing. I mean, obviously Cal had a, a bad preseason. Would be saying it lightly, putting it lightly. Everybody's <laughs> everybody's you know calling for him to be waived and bringing up Phoenix Copley and all this kind of stuff. Did not have a great game his first start. This game allows a goal early, and then everybody's like, hey, this is another one. But it seemed to settle down. You guys watched more of this game. I was at a birthday party, so I didn't get to see it in depth. What were you guys' opinion of, of Cal uh, You know, when it comes to the Nashville game? Well, he's only really had one – or he, for the first five periods of the season, he hasn't looked that good. For the last third period and on, it's an overtime in the shootout. He was confident in Cal. That was that was the Cal Peterson that we had been seeing when he was good. And you you've talked about this on end, Joe. That goalies are just it's all it's all it's so hard to evaluate goalies. It's such a mental thing with them. And the best part about that win was that that celebration afterwards. Him him mm-hmm. fist pumping and that, that was the best part because you saw confidence in him. You saw like a like in, in mentally he was like yeah this is like me turning things around and. And that win just meant so much to him. So you have to feel good for for that win, but you just hope that this continues. Because, I mean, if we just kind of forget the first five periods that he's played, I mean, the Minnesota Wild game, he was wasn't good. And then he lets in the first goal in the last game. You could say if it was a good goal or not. The third goal, goal that the and yeah, <laughs> exactly, it was a bad goal. And then the third goal was kind of a bad, bad goal, goal as well. So, yep. so yeah, it's just it's 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 easy to say yeah, this is something he's going to be able to turn around. He just won. But yeah, you still have to remember, like he still hasn't really shown. He hasn't really shown the consistency. But it's a good way to end, and you hope that this just turns the switch in terms of his confidence going forward. I got a couple of comments on that. One, I, I yeah, first goal is bad. Third goal is bad. And right before the third goal, though, he made a, a huge save. I want to say it was on oh, fourth third. Oh, brilliant save! Brilliant. And save. I was like, maybe this is what settles in him, him in. And then immediately after, it's weak, and it's just like deflating it's like come on where's this is the inconsistency we're talking about and then as you say russ he had a good third a really good overtime and an excellent shootout so to answer uh richard's question i'm not happy with either goalie i'm not gonna just quick's not been good either he had a great first game right mm-hmm. against vegas he get him both, and I'm not meaning to be here to come at Jonathan Quick. It's just I think it's a little heavy on Cal right now. But both goaltenders are in the negative, in the, in the bottom half of the league in goals saved above expected. Peterson is worse, but Quick is not. It's not like as if Quick has been good. So maybe this is a hot take, but it, it, because of that, because Quick isn't exactly like lighting the world on fire, you have the great third, the great overtime. The great shootout. He's won both his games. 
I'm going to go with Cal in Pittsburgh. Is that crazy? Yeah. No, I don't, know. I don't think so at all. McClellan talked about it after the game. He's like, he said, you know, for all the talk that's been, he's won both games. And you can tell that the statement in the, the interview on the bench that McClellan did in the first period, he's like, well, it's not the start you want when you give up the first shot. It seemed like a little bit of a shot, a, a minor dig at Cal, because it was a weak goal. It can't go in. That, that's a clean shot, beats him clean, doesn't hit a pipe, got to be stopped. So you could sense a little frustration that, we're down early and we really shouldn't be the Kings. We had a really good start to that game overall. Um, so, but at the end of it, you know, Colin says he made big saves when he needed to, and he got a big win and you hope that that gets him going. And if I'm a coach that's saying that about getting him going after a big win, I'm running right back out there. Right. If you want to get him going and you hope that gets him going, it's not as if the other guy's playing that great. I'm going back to Cal. And then see what you got. Yeah, you don't want him sitting in the press box just watching just after he played his best game and how how long. I mean, yeah, like I'm I'm right with you. You have to get him back out there. His confidence is at the highest level it's been in quite some time. Keep it going and see see if it can continue. You don't want him. Sitting yeah, and, back I, 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 and to be fair, like the, we've talked about, the defensive structure is not the same. So, like, I don't want to be like overly come across as if I'm like bashing Jonathan quick. It's just like, I'm sure by his standards, he's not playing. I'm sure he would be the first to tell you, go look at his numbers. They're not, they're not good at all, but it's only a couple of games. And I'm not worried about Jonathan quick by any means. It's just right now, if you've got two guys trying to find their game, the one guy is coming off an emotional big win, making some big saves and doing so I'm running back out. Carter, Carter agrees with you there, Joe. Excellent take. My man. So, obviously, goal is only one part of defense. Let's. What do I mean? We haven't played much defense. Is it is it just something that you know, right guy playing on the left, line uh, pairing shifts, or is it just we look bad? Like, what do you guys think? I think it's the Kings not playing their system. I mean. Yeah. When the Kings were humming last year, you saw that neutral zone system in place almost every time that the, the opponent caught the puck. You saw the four checker just kind of huddled above the blue line. You saw that line of three players along the, the red line, and you saw the defenseman in the back. You saw that all every time um, just suppressing uh, entry into the zone. And this year we haven't really seen that. It's just been kind of a open door in, into the Kings defensive zone and then Shots are going in from poor goaltending, so I mean, I think I don't. I'm not really too worried about that. I think that eventually will come into play with when the team gets home. You get some more practices in. That, that was something also McClellan had mentioned before this road trip that they're not going to be able to get as many practices that he wanted. So yeah. once the, once the team gets back home, I think that'll settle things down. But then also, I think there's still some holes on the defense that that probably need to be be filled um soon um i don't know if you can have five right shot defensemen playing in a game um too long and expect success i mean that that'll be something hopefully the alex edler injury isn't long term but it is interesting that ifala gets sent on ir and they bring up another defenseman so i mean that that I, I, maybe they're being a little bit more cautious with edler um because he's not on ir right now mm-hmm. but maybe they're being a little bit cautious but with moviari there I don't know. Maybe they're they're trying to see if Mobiari brings a little bit uh, more defensive efforts to to the game than maybe Sean Walker or Brent Clark playing the left side. So we'll see what happens there. 
Do you think, I, I mean, you, you look at, I mean, Russell, you were not a fan of Walker on the left. You were openly no. on Twitter about that. Did he change your mind this last game or would you want to see Tuna uh, check in uh, for the rest of the ser- the rest of the road trip? I thought Walker, I don't know. <laughs> that third goal, he was, he did kind of get beat by Janelle. But from the net, he kind of got bullied there a little bit. I don't know. Sean Walker, it's tough because he's coming back from such a severe injury. And he's he, you can see the rust in his game a little bit. I, I like Morari. We, we've talked about Morari on end. And he's, he's a great, uh, solid defenseman. I mean, he's only played, I think, 19 games. So it's kind of hard to be 100% in on him. But I'd like to see him get another shot at that spot for the time being if, while Edler's out. I could definitely see as somebody you're you're going into Pittsburgh, then you're going into Washington, a team that struggled with its defensive play, bringing in a guy like Moverari to be, as you mentioned, Rush, kind of that that steady Eddie, perhaps type of presence. And, and to go back, uh, Randall, to your question, I mean, I do think it's part of what I said earlier with so many new guys being filtered into this this lineup, but also, and I, I don't think it can be understated. Like, yeah, the the Brand Clark hype train, but there's going to be some moments where there's there's mistakes. And Sean Dersey, like, we talk about this all the time, Randon, that that prospect growth isn't linear. And and Sean Dersey comes up and he looked great. So I, he looked great last year, right? He had a huge season in Ontario when he was there. He comes up, he plays great. So all of a sudden, he's got to be he's going to be great forever not how it works you know there's adjustments he's getting used to things he's going to make mistakes he's an offensive defenseman by nature anyway so there's going to be just mistakes in his game just by the way he plays even when he's right so you have two guys in clark and Dersey that are learning the ropes here as you know Dersey or Dersey a little less so perhaps because he's got some experience but not a season's worth like he's still getting used to his his game on the defensive side of things. So I think that's a big, big thing, too, is you've got a couple of guys outstanding and exciting offensively that are working through some things. I don't think they've been, like, bad. I know people would probably disagree with me on Jersey, but <laughs> like, I, my expectations are different. I'm not expecting a defensive stalwart out of Sean Jersey, so I'm not, like, losing sleep over the fact when he makes mistakes like others are. But it's going to happen. So I think that's playing into this, too, right, where – you know, you had a little bit more stability perhaps in the past. Remember, before last year, it was like Toby Bjornfoot, who just doesn't have that riverboat gambler in his game, like like Jersey might, and Olimana that were in the lineup that was like, he's a, you know, veteran defenseman. So it was a much more of a stable group. And now you've got Jersey and you've got a 19-year-old in Clark. Of course, it's going to be rough at times. This is the nature of it. That's you know they're we're trying to they're trying to to grow and yet win games at the same time. It's you know it'll be tricky sometimes. And another thing that we're seeing that we didn't see really at all last year, I mean especially toward the end, is the the Deno line is getting heavily outshot. They're they're being hemmed in their own zone. We're not seeing that type of those type of Corsi Kings that we saw mm-hmm. out of Arvidsson Moore and Deneau last year. They're having a rough kind of stretch of start to the season. Um, they've contributed in the goals that I talked about in Detroit, which was good. But we need to see that line maybe kind of tur- turn it up again. And then Arvidsson, he's having a, a rough stretch, obviously, with the empty net gap the other day. Um, but he's, he's coming from, back from sur- back surgery. Um, he only had one preseason game, so a little bit, a little bit more for uh, – a little bit more rust, I guess, he's got to get out of his game. But you kind of hope to get that line back to where it was last year. 
I mean, not back to a point because they were humming, but to an extent where they're they're playing top six minutes and they got to produce a little bit. Oh, they yeah, need to hum. They need to hum. Yeah. <laughs> we talked about that, right? We, we talked about how, you know, how would that line come back and just be, again, like Jersey, just because he was great doesn't mean that he's automatically due to be great just because he was last year. There may be an adjustment, teams make adjustments, all that stuff. And yeah, as you said, Russ, that line's 45%. Um, Corsi right now, I do think they were better uh, at least last game. And nope, I am wrong. They were not better uh, against Nashville. Sorry about that. They were even worse. So forget I mentioned that. <laughs> uh, 40% I throw another question. expect the goals on that line. Yeah, it's not, it's not been pretty for them. So hopefully they can turn it around. Well, I don't want to go back to the Clark question because I think there's something good here. Is it is it something where they just need more time? Like you give how, how many games do you give them playing this bad? When you say them, Clark, Jersey, or what do you what do you? No, the the, the Mad Line or the Nice Line or whatever we're calling. Oh, sorry. Uh, oh, uh, I think I think right now I'm. It's it's still early. I and I I write it out here. I give it another handful of games at least. I'd say, um, particularly if you have the other lines playing well too. If you have mm -hmm. struggled somewhere else, like there's there's square peg round holes on one of the other lines and you got two lines that are faltering, okay, maybe we gotta switch some things up. But if you've got the Kopitar line playing well, which I think they are, the Byfield line playing well, Lazat's doing his thing, then you I think that allows you a little bit of time to let the Dano line kind of work itself out. If that makes sense. No, yeah, I'm, I agree with Joe 100%. You got the first and third lines playing really well. Um, we'll see who can kind of make their way on I follow spot in that third line. But you can't really kind of teeter with those a little bit. So just to fix one, the second line, you have to get those three just going again. We've seen the chemistry with those three develop um, to a high level. And once once they kind of get their legs underneath them, I think we'll see it again. And especially once the, the team gets back home, gets some more practice underneath them. There's just a system because that line really benefited when the, when the Kings were playing that system one three one approach in the neutral zone. They were a transition line. They countered every every time the puck was dumped into the, into the Kings zone. They were able to get the, get the puck up and uh, counter attack right away. So once the system is kind of back in place, I think we'll see that line um, succeed. Let's not forget, you know. There were some at some point this summer. There was question whether or not Arvidsson would even be playing at this point in the season. You know, he's coming yeah. off a pretty big surgery, missed a lot of the preseason, so you know he's still getting up to speed, probably physically in some fashion as well. So, yeah, I still give this a few more games. Looking at Richard uh, coming here asking if the vibe line continues to produce and play better than the nice line, do you switch them up? You know, meaning probably meaning, you know, the lineup card doesn't really matter, but you start giving more five on five minutes to. To the third line, or how do how, how do you think as a coach? Do you kind of just play it game by game? What, what do you what do you think? It's a matchups thing. I think it depends. You know, if you're at home, you're going to try to take advantage of the matchups that you can. You still listen. You still are going to trust. Philippe Deneau is still one of the better two way centers in the game. You know, five on five in the way he drives play. So I'm going to trust that that uh, history that he's got. Um, and I would still much rather have Philippe Deneau against the other team's top two centers um, than the Byfield line. So I. I would be try to uh, exploit the matchups when I can at home and just be aware, you know, in the road, you, you could do the best you can on the road. But um, I, I, I to short answer to the question is no, um, maybe more five on five minutes, find them somewhere, but I wouldn't necessarily flip them. No. Cause I, I think you, if, if the byfield line is, is playing well, 
you just don't mess with that. Let's keep that going. If you're playing matchups and how you're working that, then keep that going. Yeah, when, don't when, put when them I hear in a like situation where they're they're gonna struggle. Sorry, Russ. Yeah, when I hear when I no, it's okay. When I hear them say like, oh yeah, make the the vibe line the second line. That, that means you're pretty much giving more minutes to Gable Hardy and Quentin Byfield than you are Phil Deneau and Trevor Moore and Victor Harvest. Uh, no, I don't think I don't think that needs to happen. Gable Hardy and Quentin Byfield are succeeding at five on five in the minutes that they're given, and I don't think there's any reason to kind of de- deviate from that. They're they're producing at playing relatively low amount, fourteen minutes a game, maybe, um, probably even less than that. So just keep them where they're they're at. They're they're having a good success with it, and I don't think there's any reason to to fix it if it ain't break or broken. And, yeah, the and, match the yeah, matchups you're getting the matchups you're getting you're going to be putting Byfield then against up. Uh, you know, against guys like Nazim Kadri and Drysaddle and, and stuff like that, rather yeah, than no rather than no third thanks. and fourth lines. And, and if you don't stay out of the box, these these games have been penalty filled <laughs> games, so you know, so it's been tough for these guys and all the lines, frankly, but especially a guy like Byfield who isn't playing special teams to get into that that groove mm-hmm. at five on five. So you and that that'll settle. I think it's not that surprising. We see a lot of penalties early in the season. I think, um, you know, with the referees trying to you know clamp down on certain things. I felt like there was 97 holding calls yesterday um, in the Nashville game. I'm sure Brant Clark has had enough of that already. So that'll settle itself out too. Dyer fan comes here. What do you guys think about calling up Fagimo for Iowa follow spot? He seems like a best fit for the organization. I think, I think the fact that he's just started down there, he'll stay down there. Jad hasn't got really any scratch, but if you see him scoring the way he's been scoring and that laser of a shot, he's definitely going to force his way up into the lineup for an injury at some point. Uh, do you think he would fit on that line? Short answer. Sure, but I wouldn't force it. I, I don't think there's yeah, a need to, to do it. I mean, Fagimo's looking great in Ontario, and I think he's going to be a great NHL player, but let's just let him keep developing where yep. he's at right now. Like you said, yep. he's, Anderson Dolan is, is there and waiting. I'd probably, so, I'd probably even give Anderson a shot before calling up Fagimo and trying to force him into okay, a, I'm a not spot going that far. I'm not going that far. <laughs> Last thing is a big thing that you brought up there, um, but I want to get to my Clark question before, you know, we're talking about defense. Of course you do. Of course yeah. you do. Uh, the conductor for the hype train has got to get his question right, here in. We go. Uh, so, you know, McClellan said he wasn't the sixth best defenseman or the fifth or the fourth, you know, on that quote, you know, meaning that he's been playing well. A lot of the an analysis, he's usually the one of the top two defensemen every single game that he's playing. And is it something along the lines of where, you know, sometimes I see him and he's like floating around. He doesn't seem, he seems a little lost on the ice, but he's not getting beat. He's not being, he's not being exploited there at that point. Would you say that that's kind of a fair assessment where he's just not getting exploited for his defensive play? Or do you think he's playing better than what we thought defensively on that side of the puck? It's, it's weird. Yeah. I don't, I don't think he's having bad games really in any stretch. When I, when I look at his numbers, his, his advanced stats after games, they're remarkable. They're they're great. I think he leads the Kings in expected goals right now. But it's it's strange because I, I watch him play and I, I don't really see it on the ice in terms of his offensive production. Obviously, he doesn't have any points. Um, but his defensive game looks pretty good. Uh, as far as in, in the offensive zone, I think he's just maybe even doing too much. He's trying to do too much. He's, he's finding open areas of the ice, and he's not shooting. I'd like to see him throw the puck on net more and try to create a little bit more opportunities that way. It costs some rebounds and see if you can get a, a, an assist off a, a goalie's pad or two. Because uh, he's finding open ice, and he, I think he's just looking for that pass to distribute to a player like 
Drew Doughty or Andre Kopitar or Adrian Kempe, which I don't blame him. I mean, when you're a 19 year old playing with those type of players, you're probably going to try to find those players too. But uh, it's been a so-so couple games for for Brent Clark. I'm still waiting to see um, some production from out of him to really make it make me think that he's worth keeping around for the whole season. But I wouldn't say they've been bad games. He's playing, like you said, good, decent defensive defensive type game, and and his the offensive production will come eventually. Yeah, I, I've honestly really not had much of an issue with with his game. I think that he. There's a couple of things probably a play. I don't want to pretend to know what's going on in his head. He's a confident kid, it seems, the way he comes across anyways. But remember, like he's just starting in the NHL and he's got this lingering nine games over his head of like mm-hmm. he's probably putting some internal pressure on himself. Uh, it's you're human. How do you not? You know, you have the clock ticking. Like, are they going to keep me? However, that that's going, if, assuming they haven't told them one way or the other yet. So you're also dealing with that while you're learning how to play at the highest level. And he's holding his own is how I would put it. Like he's, he, he had the situation where he took a couple penalties yesterday, holding penalties. So, you know, again, there's, there's going to be some, some growing pains. There's going to be a learning curve, but I, you know, I think it was like poignant that McClellan made that statement, which was a hilarious yet awesome comment at the same time about he wasn't six, pretty sure it wasn't fifth. And I don't think he was fourth either. Like, you don't I don't think you say that as a coach lightly. You Todd McClellan understands the situation here. He's been around the league a long time. You talk about a player like Clark who everybody's eyes are on. Is he gonna stay up after nine games? And you make a statement like that. And obviously there's still other games to play, but it's not as if he had a he fell off the map and had just a piss poor game against Nashville despite the two penalties. He was okay. He was fine and his his Corsi numbers, his possession numbers would argue he was excellent. I don't know if I'll go that far, but I think he was good, and I think he's holding his own here early on. Go back and watch. I'm pretty, the, the tying goal was the four-on-four goal, right? Yeah, it was the – go back and watch that goal. Watch who drives – center lane drive goes to the top of the crease, goes to the net, draws the defenseman there. It's Brant Clark. Like he's – that's a heads-up play by Todd McClellan. Again, recognizing Nashville has an icing. He gets Clark on the ice. He makes something happen. It doesn't always have to be with the puck. He's a really smart mind in the offensive zone, which is part of what makes him so great because he's not like the sexiest skater. But a play like that matters just as much, and it leads to a tying goal. So in my opinion, I don't like – what did I say the other day? I think I've been – I don't know if I've been wrong like every step of the way on Clark. He ain't going anywhere for me. He stays, and it's almost a no-brainer for me. And look at Joe, just like that, a first-class ticket opens up on the Express. <laughs> welcome, welcome, buddy. Welcome, buddy. We'll uh, answer one more question here, and then we'll go to our uh, little break. Uh, Debo coming in is, is, have you guys noticed Byfield actively avoids contact instead of following through and taking advantage of his size? He's doing very well on his defensive cover, but I would like to see him use his size more. Do you think that's a fair assessment? Do you think that it's kind of too early to say that for like a long sample size he did just put on 15 pounds of muscle so you know the small sample size with that or do you think that's kind of fair in his defensive game i have a question what does that mean what does he mean by uses is he looking for like body checks because i would argue he is using his body he protects the puck well he protects the puck really well he's winning battles along the wall 
um, I've actually kind of been intrigued and I've been doing what uh, kind of tracking his touches, his, his puck touches throughout every game. I mean, and right now everything is like along the wall, but I feel like, and I would, I'm going to go back and do this as well. Like he's creating turnovers when he's doing that. He's intercepting plays behind the net in the D zone. So I guess I just would, would, would ask what, what the what you mean by you know avoid I don't I, de- I certainly don't see him avoiding contact I don't think I mean again I think he he's involved in the dirty areas I'm just not sure the size I think he protects the puck well I think what's happening here is he's he's I think he looks good in the D zone I think he the way he's getting involved behind the net I I think this is really like. I'm happy with the start of his season, the way he's playing the game. I know the points aren't there, the production isn't there, but I feel like it's percolating. Like I think it's coming with him. And again, he he had a handful of minutes the other night. He just couldn't get into a rhythm. So, but I don't think we're far off from seeing some some pr- more production come. But I just don't, I think, I just don't think he was ever his game. Like, and and maybe that can be learned. I don't know. But it, even when he was bigger than everybody else in juniors, he wasn't just laying kids out like. That just wasn't that's what I want game. to know. What does he mean by and use I, his body? What I think that's what some fans are kind of wanting to see out of him is just to go and, and use his body body to finish checks all the time on every shift. And yeah, Brandon, like like you said, he, that's not really his game. He's he's never really been one to deliver huge blows to to other to his opponents. But in terms of using his his body to shield pucks, I, I think he's been great this season on that end. I mean, I've seen people even mention comparing him to Alex. Alex Froloff and Froloff, that was like his the best part of his game. Um, some of the best uh, shifts that uh, Byfield's had, especially the one at the end of the, the Wild game, that was that was an excellent shift. I mean, he skated the puck out of his own zone, got a controlled zone entry with a shot on net, and had like multiple touches along the boards protecting the puck. That was the exact type of shift I wanted to see from Quentin Byfield sometime this season, and we saw it like on his third game. So. I hope we see more of that. We saw that a little bit in last night's game against Nashville. If he's able to protect the puck and use that frame of his to to kind of slow the game down a little bit along the boards, he doesn't always have to be using that speed he has. You have a big frame, slow the game down, um, step, create some separation from from the, the person you're going up against along the boards, and find an open teammate. And I think we're seeing that a little bit from him. And I think the, the goals will also start coming too. I think you look at him, like you know, Kopitar's got size and he was never just a guy that throws his body around. I don't know if fans want, you know, a, a Dustin Brown reincarnated where he's just scoring goals and, and hitting people. I just don't think it's his game. I think you're lurk. You're, you can expect more of that Kopitar possession type. And I think he's doing a great job at that. To me, you have other players on the, on the roster like Tonka and, and Lemieux who are just going to throw checks whenever they can. And, and, Hey, to be honest, if he's creating offense with his size in a different fashion, I'm okay with it. it does, he doesn't have to be, a guy that's just laying people out all game. I think, you know, that's part of hockey and people want to see that. And maybe he will learn to do that. You saw, I mean, it took McDavid, what, like five years to be more aggressive physically, uh, you know, this last season. So maybe as he's not 20 years old, we'll start to see that, that add, you know, you know, small bits and pieces to his game here. So it's all like going perfectly the way I think he's playing. And I said holiday season, right? I'm telling you. Between Thanksgiving and Christmas, it's going to pop off. It's coming. So let's get over our, one of our sponsors here, DraftKings. Uh, hockey fans, it's finally time to hit the ice again. And thanks to DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NHL. 
You're in for a season of a lifetime. New customers can bet $5 on any team and get $200 in free bets if they win. Would you like to bet on the Kings uh, against the Pits, uh, against Pittsburgh or against Washington? You can do so. You can, If that wasn't enough excitement, you can turn small bets into bigger payouts with same-game parlays. Multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored. If you're betting on the Kings now, it's probably a lot. Or if you put more than a shot at a bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game and get $200 in free bets if they do. That's code THPN, DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NHL. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions may apply. See show notes for details. All right, well, on to the next topic here. The emergence of Velarde. Velarde killing it. Uh, and we a lot of people were wondering when this would ever come uh, for him. Five games, four goals, three assists, seven points. A plus three shot percentage is 30.8. Uh, just cranking it. And we wanted to see more shots out of Velarde. We got it 13 shots in five games. So he's not afraid to let that puck loose. Really something I'm happy for this kid because it, it's well deserved. A lot of scrutiny going on. And his scrutiny was well deserved as well. But the season just seemed to be coming on a mission. And he seems to be enjoying hockey from that first goal that we talked about in Vegas to now. This seems to be really enjoying hockey. I'll kick it off to you, Russ. What have you seen from Velarde that maybe that's he stepped up from previous seasons, or do you think it's just the fact that he's gotten the chance to play? I think we're seeing a player that that's gone through the, all the ups and downs that he's gone through in his, in his early career with his back injury, and then being sent to to the McClellan doghouse that everyone likes to call it. But I think we're seeing a player that come came into training camp knowing his role and his position, and kind of sticking to that and playing his best hockey in that position. I mean. He last few years he's always been kind of been he's been a center and they, this transition to wing that happened last year uh it, it was great for him and now that he's coming into the training camp knowing that he's a winger and there was a spot at the end of the lineup uh, on the the on the nice line when Arvidsson was gone for him to play in during preseason he looks great in and I think that confidence that he 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 got playing on that spot has carried over to the regular season. We we saw that we saw him have a really good preseason last year when he was playing with I think it was Kachev and, and Leah Sanderson and that didn't really carry in the preseason and just kind of fell apart. Uh, but now we're seeing a confident Gabe. Um, the skill has always been there, but it just had felt like a mental thing with him. And I'm glad that he's also getting some uh, time on the power play because the production that he's getting out of that spot playing with. Kopitar and Fiala and Kempe and Dowdy, all the good players on the team. The fact that he's on that in that spot playing with those players among the top players on the team, I think that's also helping his his confidence as well. And the fact that he's producing there too is just, it's just been great for the team and great for him as well. You just you just love the story that's going on right there with with Gabe. Joe, I want I want you to kind of continue on the power play. You've been the biggest, you know. Um, you know, scrutiny of, of the power play and, and using those bottom positions. I, f I think Velarde and the, where they have him on the power play has been phenomenal. What have you seen specifically there? And then maybe you can go back into uh, his game as a whole. Sure. So I wrote a piece today actually about the power play against, uh, I watched the power plays against uh, Nashville and the there's a play that sticks out that, that describes exactly kind of what you were just alluding to, Randon, is it, I think it was in the third period where uh, it's off a of face-off and everybody's getting into their their roles. And, you know, Velarde goes down low, Fiala goes to their circle. Kopitar gets the puck, he moves it up to Doughty. Velarde, though, 
is not stationed where I was so upset last year with Phil Deneau. He's not stationed in front of the net with his back to the goalie like this, right? He He's off to the side. He's just off to the side. So when it moves to Kopitar, again, he's not stationed in front of the net for a screen or a tip. He's off to the side. So when Kopitar gets it, he moves it down low to Velarde, and Velarde now has options. He immediately takes it, spins out in front of the net. Saros makes a really good save, so it doesn't go in, but that is the down low type of stuff I'm talking about because you go down low, you now open up other options. All of a sudden, all the killers, they're now looking low. Their attention shifts, so Velarde can either do what he did and go to the net. He could probably one-touch it to the bumper, which is a whole other problem. He could make a pass over to, to Fiala, streaking to the back door, or he can go back to Kopitar. Every option opens up there where when he, if he just stands in front of the net and everybody yells, shoot Kopitar, why doesn't Kopitar shoot? Because he's going to shoot it into shin pads. There's four bodies on the way to the net. It's, it's a low percentage, terrible shot. He shouldn't shoot it. He should, he should be passing it to a down low option. And that's what Velarde is offering. He better stay there. He's looking very good there. I completely agree. As a whole, I love it. I mean, I, it's funny. I think um, I think it was Jim Fox said on the broadcast the other day that, he, you know, it, you know, Velarde talked about how it wasn't, you know, the move to the wing really isn't as maybe as as, as impactful as others have said. And I, I apologize if it wasn't Jim Fox. I might be. I don't know what broadcast it was. I'm listening to at this point, but I maybe he's the player, so I'm not going to disagree with him. But boy. It just seems like that move to wing two things. One, it just freed him up to be the player he is and not have to worry as much about that 200-foot game defensively, offensively, goal line to goal line. But also, he embraced it. He went down. He played the wing. He was almost a point-of-game player. And as Russ said, he knew coming into this season, I'm a winger now, and i got to find my spot. Is it on the second line? Is it on the third line? Is it on the fourth line? Am I going to be a scratch? But I'm making this damn roster, and I'll find my spot. And if I get an opportunity, I'm taking it. That's exactly what he's doing. Um, incredible skill, incredible talent. He's getting an opportunity. He's embraced a new position, and it's going well. And I love it. Yeah, we got some fans in here in the chat agreeing with us. Richard coming in here saying it's well worth the wait, seeing the player that we drafted in Velarde. He should be on the top six in the near future. Real McCoy coming in the chat for the first time. This is what we expected from Velarde last year after that preseason. Glad to see he's stepping up big. I agree, and it's just, it's just great. And, you know, we like we keep saying progress isn't linear for the for the prospects, but confidence is a huge thing. And you see him mm -hmm. playing with so much confidence about his game. We saw the flashes last year and then they drifted away, uh, you know, with the wind. And he's just really doing something fantastic this season. I know it's small sample size, but I don't think it's going to be a small sample size. I think it's going to be great. I think it's going to be something that he can carry on. Will he be a point per game player on the third line? Probably not. But I mean, if you see him get 50 points on the third line, the way he's playing right now, I definitely could see that. I mean, so it's, it's something that we need. We can't depend on the top two lines all the time. If you're going to be a team that's going to make some waves in the playoffs, you're going to need to roll three lines. You're going to need the third line to step up when right now when the second line is playing like garbage. And then, you know, you're going to need the lines to pick up other lines and that, and you know, I could definitely see 50 points from Velarde the way he's, he's playing at this point. I think he's easily the, the best story in the NHL right now. I mean, you're, you talk about the up, there's no player in the NHL that's gone through as many ups and downs early on in his career than, than Gabe Bellardi. I mean, maybe a little hyperbole, but I mean, the back injury almost was career career threatening. I mean, he, there was talks of him not even playing hockey again. 
and then the, the to come and then have that breakthrough where he was looking so good and then COVID happens, just shuts down the season. It was just like, oh man, we finally get good Gabe Velarde, this player we've been waiting so long to see. He looks great in these in these few games. And then a pandemic shuts everything down. And then he comes back. We're all expecting him to be this great player again. And maybe expectations were a little too high and he was placed in a position where he probably wasn't going to succeed. But now it's just been so good to see a player that's gone through so many ups and downs uh, throughout the early part of his career just succeed right now. And there's one side note. I think we were talking about players to replace Ayapalo. I, I think there's a player we're forgetting. I think it's Rasmus Kupari. That that those three actually played pretty well in a playoff game or two, if I remember last year. So I wouldn't mind seeing Kupari, uh, Byfield, and Velarde back together uh, with Kupari on the wing too. Yeah, if if Ayapalo is out long term. I think it's just a great story. It's something to continue going on. And Richard coming in here, throwing some more hope in the air. Turcotte will be the next feel-good story like for the LA Kings. I like it, too. I like it, too. Well, we're going to get to the next segment here. And first time for us here at Hockey Royalty, the Bet Stamp Player of the Week. Uh, we got a new sponsor, hip, uh, sponsor here with Bet, uh, Bet Stamp. Uh, Joe has been using this religiously for the past, uh, for the past uh, several months, if not year. Joe, why is Bet Stamp the place to be for betting? Well, there's a couple reasons, Brandon. And as you said, I've been using it for, so it became, gambling sports man became legal in New York uh, in February, I think it was, of last season. So February of 22. Um, so that's when I started to, I mean, I've always dabbled in, in betting on gaming. I think everybody does or whatever. And, you know, when it became legal, I said, okay, well, I want to be smart. And I've, I, I don't want to just completely throw everything away, my money away. And I, learned and I was a follower and learned about bet stamp a while before that. And what it is, is the, 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 one of the first things you can do to be a smart better is to line shop. So case in point, if you are driving down the road and you see two gas stations, are you not going to go to the one with the cheaper gas? Of course you are. If you're betting the Kings tomorrow in Pittsburgh, you know, I'm, I'm in New York. So I have the, I have access to five different sports books. I can see, okay, who's got the best odds? If FanDuel has plus 140, but DraftKings has plus 155, well, guess where I'm going to go place my bet? It's going to be at DraftKings. So that stamp has it all laid out right there for you. You can easily and cleanly see all of them because, trust me, before bet stamp, I tried to go and log into every sports book I had, all five of them, and that gets pretty tedious after a while. So um, that is a, a huge way to... Just even if you are a casual better, just do the bare minimum of, of line shop and try to make yourself a better better and a smarter better by just getting the best of the number. I think that's one of the more important things. And the other thing it does for you is it tracks your bets. So you automatically can see what am I doing better at? Am I doing better at overs? Am I doing better at unders? Am I doing better in the NHL? Or am I doing better at baseball? All of it is right there, automatic, right in the app. You can see and you can you can follow people, you can follow me. And if you're somebody that, you know what, I'm not a genius, I want to just have somebody else give me picks because I want to have fun and throw a few bucks on a game, but I'm not that smart. I don't know anything about basketball, so I want to make play, place a bet on basketball. You can find people that sell picks or even whether they sell picks or not, you can go and you can see that their records are right there. They're verified because when you place a bet at DraftKings, for example, that's going to sync and show up 
on your BetStamp account. So it's all verified. It's all there through through and their their customer service as well. I've reached out to them with questions. They're great. So it is a if you are getting into betting, I know this. You know, gambling is becoming legalized across the country little by little. You know, I know in California it's not legal yet for you Kings fans, but if if and when this becomes legal, I can't recommend BetStamp enough just from the doing the bare minimum of doing some line shopping and at the very least making sure you're getting the best of the number because over the long haul, you're going to that'll help you win uh, in the long haul. Yeah. So, in you know, on top of all that, it's commission free marketplace, which means BetStamp, you don't have to sacrifice any royalty or cut to the app. It's completely free. Feel free to use our code, Hockey Royalty. It's screaming across the bottom and get going on BetStamp today. So, Player of the week. Who wants to go first on this one? We'll we'll show, throw it over to Russell here. Who's your player of the week? Oh, I think I'll just go with the obvious one. It's it's Gabe Velarde. I mean, he's tied for third in the NHL in points with seven, but he also leads the NHL in even strength points with six. Uh, he's just been an incredible player. Uh, a feel good story. There, there's not many more things you could say about him. All, all that you could say is that you just hope it continu- continues. Um, the production's been there. The mental game, he, look, he looks great. The celebrations are just a cherry on top, just to see a smile on his face. You you love it. And this is an 11th overall pick from 2017. The, the offensive production, that potential has always been there. So maybe we're seeing that that light start to turn on um, with him playing on the right side or on the wing. So it's just been an incredible first start to the season with him, and I uh, hope it continues. Joe, where are you at you know for your what? player of the week? I'm, a, I'm somebody who's a forward I coach forwards. I'm a skill guy. I like goals. I like that skill. But you know what? I'm going on the back end to a veteran guy who is averaging over 27 minutes a night and just played almost an hour's worth of hockey in a back-to-back <laughs> road situation. The guy, Drew Downey, just it's it's incredible what he's doing coming off the injury that he had. Uh, and and again, the ice time he's averaging, the points are he's only got a goal and assist right now through through the five games. But I think we we trust that that's going to come along. He's a horse. He's an absolute horse. He's leading by example. He's dragging the rest of the defensemen and saying, "Hop on my back, let's go." Uh, and he's leading by example. And I, it, it is awesome to see. You're wondering how he was going to start the season, and he's just a stalwart out there. And, and I'm a I'm really happy for him, and and hopefully that he can stay healthy. And, uh, again, I trust the offensive production will come. So I'm going to throw to Drew Doughty, if anything, because he's an absolute workhorse right now at the early part of the season. I'm going with another uh, consistent workhorse, the captain, uh, Anze Kopitar here, five games, six points, one goal, five assists. Uh, I know he's a negative one, but he's out there against all the top lines. So, you know, we're giving up a ton of goals. It's, it's going to happen. But what's really impressed me and uh, where I think it's getting his lines, getting a lot of opportunities, 61% from the dot. Going in there, getting those faceoffs, winning those important things, you know, generating offense that way uh, is is you know one of the reasons why he's my player of the week. And I think the points are there, the 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 responsibility within the circle is there. He's taken all the hard faceoffs, uh, you know, down the stretch, and it's something why he's you know been our point leading point getter for uh, every season, but one since he's been here. Strong first week from him. Uh, my player of the week is Anze Kopitar. And, you know, I'll say with with Kopitar, so that line got eaten alive against Vegas. And despite that, 
they're sitting at a 51.9 expected goals on the season. I think it alludes to how well they've played really since the Vegas game. So, um, yeah, full marks. Good good shout there, Rand. And I think Opatar has become very underappreciated, I feel like, um, <laughs> these days. And I, I'm not quite sure why. I, I, I don't really understand it, but I'm, I'm – you know, a couple a couple of vets getting some love here, Brandon, with with Kopitar and Dowdy. I like it. So let's swing it over. You know, we can't. Re- you know, Joe and I just because we're doing the, this main show now doesn't mean we're we're going to forget about the AHL. Let's switch it over to making it rain. First time <laughs> making it rain on the on the season. Uh, man, they got off to a, a smoking hot start, uh, but they've played uh, three games. Um, they are two and one, four points. Sitting at third uh, behind the Coachella Valley Firebirds in the Barracuda in the division. Uh, but leading the, the division already with 15 goals, not surprising there. The offense is potent, uh, eight, eight goals given up. Uh, let's go through some games here. Obviously, start off quick, eight to two uh, against the Canucks. They lose uh, to Bakersfield, three to two, and then come back with a win against the pesky Henderson Silver Knights, five three. I think I think the offense is obviously the leading category here. We thought maybe that would change with uh, you know the new head coach, everything kind of switching over. But Figimo's good look good looking good with Tynan. A team doesn't seem like they've missed a beat. Uh, what have you seen from the from the action that you watched there, uh, Joe? <laughs> TJ Tynan is picking up where he left off. Six assists in three games. He's got seven points. It's just incredible uh, what he's been able to do year in and year out, especially the back-to-back MVPs. Hell of a start for him. Jordan Spence is another one uh, picking up where he left off. He's He's got four points on the season, all assists. Uh, Akil Thomas has chipped in a few points. Um, so, again, you kind of expect – it only is too shocking to see the rain be a team that's going to light the lamp. This is a loaded roster. This might even be more loaded than it was last year. Um, when you've got Kapari down there, Akil Thomas is healthy to start the season. Tyler Madden's coming off a really good game that he just had, too. He's looked good. Um, I think the questions for the rain are on the back end and in gold. Does that sound familiar? Because I have some yeah. <laughs> So I think there's some questions there still, right? But um, – all in all, I think this is a team that certainly offensively is capable. Will we see the defensive side of the game? Will we see the blue line? Will we see the goaltending not allow them to make a deep playoff run? I think that'll be the, the overarching question. Um, and a real quick, quick aside, quick aside, um, if you're not following Kyle Garcia, Kiffin McGinnis on on the Twitter, and and they're they're doing a lot of uh, Ontario Rain coverage for us here at Hockey Royalty as well, so please make sure you're giving shouts to them and following them as well. But, uh, anyways, offensively they look great. Defensively and goaltending, I think is going to be a question. Yeah, I think it, Joe. I think Joe tied everything up pretty well there. I just want. I just have one takeaway from the first couple of games. That Tobias Bjornfoot goal was incredible. <laughs> oh my god! Like when I'm watching that, I'm like, Toby, where has that been? Like, do that every game. It was just, and 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 also, I have to give a shout out to Jared Chaffron for the call on that. That call was excellent. I mean, it was just like, just like the. It almost like the the goal was just like the Rick Nash goal. If you guys mm-hmm. remember that one yep. that he did yep. against Arizona, a goal I was actually in. I was in that arena for that goal one of the most ridiculous things I've ever seen live, but the call was just as good as the call on the Rick Nash, Nash goal. It was like one move, another move, another nice move. It was like, but the goal, it deserved it. It was, it was excellent. I, I just, I loved it. 
So I, there's already, they've only played three games. There's only five guys without a point, and two of them are goalies. I mean, <laughs> and, and Kim Nusianen has only played one game. So, like, they're getting production from up and down the lights. It's, 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 if you're living in that part of the country, whether you're a Rain fan or not, or an AHL hockey fan, or even if you're not, they're going to be entertaining games every single night out. I mean, it, go watch those games at Toyota Arena because you're going to see it's it's going to be a hell of a show. Um, and we I, just you know, mentioned, we, yeah, we just mentioned Alex Turcotte skating with the team again, so he's going to be back soon. Yeah, it's well, been great. Yeah, they're going to be fun. And I, you know, listen, I do think, and so I, I do want to go back as, and watch his shifts because um, I haven't, I haven't like sat down and watched Helge Grands and really honed in on what he's doing because I'm really, really curious to see how he does. Again, I think he's at least a, a full season, maybe even like a season and a half to two away in the AHL still. So I'm not like pushing any panic buttons, but I really, really am interested in his season to see how he develops. What do you guys take from the fact that Copley started two out of the three over Volalta? I don't know if there was a reason and I missed it. Um, it's entirely possible that the, that maybe it caught me off guard that that mm-hmm. uh, that Copley started the first two games. Um, I didn't see that coming. Again, if if I if somebody knows that there's a reason and I missed it, then I'll get called out, and that's that's fine. It wouldn't be the first time, but um, I thought it was interesting. I mean, I think. You know, we we really were hoping that Copley. I know, Randon, I think you've been a little down on that signing, maybe as much as anybody. But it looks like he's going to play, right? He's not going to be a guy that's just kind of there. I mean, we saw Hrennik go down to to the Swamp Rabbit, so it looks like he's going to get some time down there. We'll keep an eye on him, see how he does. Um, so we'll see how this all shakes out. But again, it, it's it's an opportunity. Uh, you have to look at it as an opportunity for Matthew Valalta to, to really try to have a, that breakout season. Like he showed some spurts here and there. The consistency hasn't been there. Can this be a breakout season for Matt Valalta? I think that's that's a, a really big question coming into the season. I think Sturm is going to do whatever he can to win a Calder Cup this year. So he's going to play who he thinks I think is, who he thinks is the best player. And if it's Phoenix Copley over Matt Valalta, I mean, yeah, maybe that's not the best for Valalta to be sitting in games and not starting, but Copley is probably the better goaltender right now. And for a, a person in terms of Marco Sturm, who's had this admiration of becoming an NHL coach, mm-hmm. winning a Calder Cup would be a good first step for him. So, I mean, this team's got the talent, like we just talked about, with uh, to win a Calder Cup. And unfortunately, kind of all the injuries in the NHL roster hampered and broke down the, their roster themselves. Uh, if they can stay healthy throughout the year, I don't see any reason why they shouldn't have a long Calder Cup run. Well, we saw with you know they they just lost one of their stalwart defensemen, Jacob Ferrari's up in Los Angeles yeah. now because of you know the injuries up in LA, and it's you know, as you just said, it's kind of what what cost them last year. And he draws in the other day, so he'll get an opportunity here. So um, it's a it, it's there's a lot of guys there. Like there's guys that are being scratched that you're surprised that are being scratched. Like there's a yeah, Chromiak hasn't played one game. So there's there's bodies there that there's a lot of talent, and we'll see how it all shakes out. Nay TKO comes in Toyota Arena is awesome. Love the Ontario Rain. Keep supporting him going out there, watching some good hockey. Some underlying numbers before we let you guys go here. Like I said, the Rain power play no surprise thirty three percent. 
Uh, PK, right at 77, so a little bit right around where they were last year. Um, I know Joe's not doing dissections of the the penalty kill, but hopefully they're playing a little bit better, and it's just what it is. You know, I will say, yeah, on that note, Rando, uh, last game they had a massive five-on-three kill um, that for for almost two full minutes they had to kill a five-on-three, uh, and they and they did it. So uh, that was big a uh, big uh, part of the game against Henderson. So we'll keep it going here. They got some uh, some games coming up. Kings got some games coming up. Got plenty of hockey to watch if you're a Kings fan. Excited. I'm pretty much a game every day, almost. You know, with with both teams. So we'll see how it goes there. So, well, thank you guys. Thank you everybody for for listening in, uh, joining us here uh, on the live pods. We appreciate all the comments in the chat. So, thank you guys for coming in. Uh, as always, you can find all of our articles at hockeyroyalty.com. If you guys want merch, uh, you guys see Joe with there with the hockey royalty uh, T-shirt. Go get your merch there for hockey royalty. Thank you to thank you so much for our sponsors at DraftKings and at Bet uh, BetStamp. Codes are scrolling across the bottom. Uh, appreciate you guys, fans. Man, it's a good it's a good time. Hockey's back. Loving it, watching these games. Thank you guys for coming on. Always a pleasure, you guys joining uh, the chat there. Uh, Joe, Russell, man, been a pleasure talking to you guys. Astute uh, uh, knowledge for, for the Kings there. So really going there, Joe. or uh, Russell, get better there on the sickness, man. Uh, you know, keep it going. And uh, as always, go Kings, go. Thanks for listening.